0: Um, I invite you to grab a Bible and uh, turn to Malachi chapter 2, and I'm just going to read the last verse of chapter 2, then we'll keep going into chapter 3, and we're we're studying the book of Malachi, so I'm going to read this passage. Now, as as I read, pay attention, because this is God's Word. It's inspired and errant and fallible. It's our only rule for faith and practice. You... "...have wearied the Lord with your words. Yet you say, how have we wearied you? And that you say, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Or, where is the God of justice? Behold, I am going to send my messenger... And he will clear the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the Lord, the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as smelter and purifier of silver and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. So they may present to the Lord uh, offerings in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old, as in former days. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. And I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers and against those who swear falsely and against those who oppress the wage earner in his wages, the widow and the orphan and those who turn aside the alien and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Let's just spend a moment in prayer. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Take from this your word, the things that are true about Jesus, and make them real to our hearts. Jesus, oh, how we need you to be okay in the midst of this hard word about the wrath of God against our sin. In the midst of this refining fire, oh, Jesus, we need you. Holy Spirit, help us to see Jesus. Lord, I pray that every heart here would be turned to return to the Lord. That we might experience a knowledge of the Holy One who sent his Son for us. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Many years ago, uh, A.W. Tozier, a pastor... Uh, A.W. Tozer wrote in a book called The Knowledge of the Holy, he, he uh, said that, that the most important thing about us is what we think about God. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Now we live in the midst of a culture who believes almost the exact opposite. We live in the midst of a culture who believes that the most important thing about me is how I feel about myself. That's almost exactly the opposite. A.W. Tozer said, we get to know God in community. The most important thing about us is what we believe about our God. The world says it's all about me. And the Bible says it's all about God, and we get to know him in community. The, the world says it's all about how I feel. And, and the Bible says it's all about coming to know in a real way, with all of our mind and with all of our heart and with all of our strength, to come to know the real God of the Bible. When Jesus Christ described eternal life in John seventeen three, Jesus said, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. If if we're going to be followers of Jesus, if we're going to know that we have eternal life, if we're going to walk with Jesus in the way of salvation that he's provided for us, then we have to know what Malachi has been teaching us, that we all need Jesus. We need Jesus. We need Jesus to save us from the wrath to come. We need Jesus to save us From the wrath to come. Now I realize that the idea of a God of wrath may rub some of you, and probably should rub all of us, the wrong way. J.I. Packer, in his book, Knowing God, he says that the reason why many of us draw back from the idea of the God of wrath is because we think somehow it's beneath God to describe him as a God of wrath. But if God chose to reveal himself in the Bible, if God chose to reveal himself in the Bible as God, and in Exodus Chapter 34, verses 6 and 7, he revealed himself to Moses in Moses's presence in Exodus 34. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, this is God speaking for himself in the presence of Moses, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgressions, and sin. Yet, he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. The God of the Bible is loving and compassionate And the God of the Bible is just and he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. And if you haven't felt the tension of both the love of God and the wrath of God in your heart to enough of a degree that it's caused you to flee to Jesus from the wrath to come, then I'm praying that this morning you might understand through this teaching in the book of Malachi, just a little bit more of who God really is and who Jesus Christ really is so that you would understand the love of God as it really is, a love that descended to save people who without His grace and mercy would have been lost under the ocean of his wrath. Jesus saves us from the wrath to come. I want to explain that. I want us to escape that. And then I want us to embrace that. Okay, Those are the three things we're going to do this morning. I'm going to explain the wrath of God. I'm going to show us how we can escape it. I don't want anyone to leave here today not knowing how you can escape the wrath of God. And then, as followers of Jesus, I want you to leave here this morning embracing, embracing this idea that Jesus saves us from the wrath of God. Now, let me explain it. Look at verse 17. Of Malachi 2, you have wearied the Lord with your words, yet you say, how have we wearied him? In that you say, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them, or where is the God of justice? This, this idea that God is just loving or just wrathful, it's not a new idea, in fact, in 425 BC, the people of Israel were struggling with the exact same thing. And God shows up on the scene through His prophet Malachi, and he says, "You are wearing me out with your words. Be reminded, O Israel, be reminded of the truth of who your God is. He is a just God. God is just. All the way through and all the way down, God is just. He always does what is right. He is perfect in His holiness, and He will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. He's just. And that comes into even sharper focus when we see what God reveals about himself in chapter 3, verse 6. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. God is just and he does not change. He doesn't move off of his justice and he doesn't move off of his love. And so you see, we are in the horns of a dilemma. We are in big trouble. We're in big trouble because the God that we've sinned against is holy, holy, holy. He is just and he does not change. He's just and all sin must be punished. Now, look at verse 5. Verse 5 describes the kinds of sin that have to be punished. Then I will draw near to you for judgment and I will be a, a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely and against those who oppress the wage earner and his wages, the widow and the orphan and those who turn aside the alien and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. I want you to see in those six descriptions that we are all in big trouble. Now, some of us, some of us read the first three and we saw sorcerer. The root word for sorcerer is the same word that we that comes into our language as pharmacy. Dope dealers, bad. Don't do drugs. Just say no to drugs. And we say, yeah, get him, Malachi. And then we go on from that to the sexually sinful. and We say, yeah, Malachi, get those suckers. And then he says, liars. Yeah, better get on the truth train. Get him. And then he turns around. After he's slammed all the people, On one side of our political divide, he then jumps over to the other side. And he says, oh, you who um, turn aside, you who oppress the wage earner in his wages. And the people on another side of the political spectrum, they say, yeah, get him, Malachi. Malachi. And he goes on and he says, And you who oppress the widow and the orphan. And they say, Yeah, Malachi, get him! And you who turn aside the alien. Get him! You feel the weight of that? That we're all in big trouble. Every single one of us. Left and right. Right rich and poor, conservative, liberal. We are all guilty before God. There is no place of escape in the indictment that comes against us in God's justice. God is just, and he will not leave the guilty unpunished, and God does not change. So we're all in big trouble. Now how do we escape? How do we escape? If we've come to understand the the reality of God's justice, how do we escape? Many, many people decide that the way to escape the justice of God is to pretend as if things aren't really that bad. They, They say, well, look, maybe God's not quite that holy. 56% in 2020, uh, Lifeway and Ligonier Ministries got together and they did some polling and they asked people, "Is will God punish sin? And 56% of people said, uh, yes, God will punish sin. And he's just and right to do so. Now, when I read that, The the person who was describing the results of that that survey was like, This is really good. These are good results. And I'm thinking, 56%? We're in huge trouble. Then they went on and they said, Well, 76% of people thought that maybe God would let us off for small sins. That's pretending. That's pretending that maybe God isn't really the way God reveals Himself to be. Now, the other way that some people try to escape the wrath of God is they say, Well, I'll be good, God. I'll be good. I'll try harder. I'll resolve to, to do better. I'll go to church more. I'll read my Bible more. I'll pray more. That's pretending, that's performing. And neither pretending or performing can bridge the gap between a holy God and sinful me. Once I'm aware of my need of a Savior, the only wise thing is to run to Jesus. And Look at Jesus. In verse 1, Behold, I am going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Jesus Christ, God the Son, has come to his temple. And when he came, he said, I Will sacrifice myself. I won't take up residence in the temple. I'll become the temple. I will allow all the sins of my people to be placed on me, and I will suffer and die in their place as their substitute. I will take on the wrath of God on behalf of my people. And by being judged in their place, I will make it possible for them to escape the wrath of God. Jesus Christ comes to the temple, not to make sacrifices, but to be the sacrifice. Jesus Christ comes to his temple to replace the temple, to become the temple, to be the place where God and his people meet together so that when god comes near for judgment we point to jesus as our substitute we look to jesus as the one who has borne the penalty due us for sin and we say thank you jesus 1st Thessalonians 1 verse 10 describes this work of Jesus on our behalf. To wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is, Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. God is just, and he must punish sin, and he offers one way of escape through Jesus Christ, That God took our sin and put it on Jesus and punished him in our place. It's almost unimaginable. That he wouldn't treat us as our sins deserve, but would treat Jesus as our sins deserve. That God could be pleased with us because he's pleased with the sacrifice of his son, our savior, Jesus Christ. How does it get into us? How do we embrace this truth that there is a way of escape? How do we embrace it? We embrace it first by believing the gospel. The action step for this week is, is to believe the gospel, the good news that a way of escape has been provided by our God, to a way out of his wrath and into his forever love. If you're here this morning, and you're not a Christian, and you're offended that I've spoken to you of the wrath of God, oh, please hear me. There is a way of escape. If, if your heart is aware of your need of forgiveness, there is a way of escape. It's not in pretending, and it's not in performing. It's in faith in Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Have you? Are you willing to admit the bad news of the gospel? The bad news of the gospel is this, that we've all sinned. Are you willing to say, I've sinned? And I justly deserve his wrath and I am hopeless without his mercy. If you've never admitted the bad news of the gospel is true of you, won't you? Won't you believe that in Jesus Christ, all of your sin has been punished and you have been set free from the wrath of God? Won't you commit, Jesus, let me follow you as Savior and Lord. You move in. You lead. I'll follow. You help me become the person you want me to be. Listen, if you've never escaped the wrath of God by putting your trust in Jesus, won't you? And if you have, if you're a follower of Jesus, then go on believing the gospel. Don't shrink the cross, enlarge the cross. Because as you read through the, the, God, the Bible, you are going to become more and more aware every day of God's holiness. And you're gonna become more and more aware every day of your own sinfulness. Every page of the Bible magnifies God's holiness and magnifies our need of a savior. And if you don't have a growing understanding of the greatness and glory of Jesus and the size of his cross doesn't keep growing and growing and growing in your heart and mind, then you will fall into substitutes to the gospel. You'll fall into pretending. You'll fall into performing. Don't do it. Go on believing the gospel. Have a big cross, a big savior. Have a big Jesus to meet your heart's need of a Savior. Go on believing the gospel. Go on believing the gospel. Follow Jesus and let Him get bigger and bigger in your mind. When He moves in, verse 2 Who can endure the day of His coming? And who can stand when He appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a smelter and purifier of silter, silver, I'm not having a stroke, it's okay. And he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver so they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. Are you a follower of Jesus? When he moves in, he moves in as a refiner. You know how silver is refined? Silver is refined by, by heating it. But silver's different than gold. Silver is refined, and when the oxygen is released from the silver, they have to add carbon into the silver. Because if they don't, impurities will be sucked back into the silver and it'll become hazy. But if they release the oxygen, and they add the carbon, then the silver becomes more and more refined. The silver becomes so clear, so pure, that the refiner can see his reflection imaged in the surface of the silver. When Jesus moves in, He raises the temperature of our life and He releases all of the impurities and all of the sin of our life and He pours into our life His Holy Spirit so that as we are refined by Him throughout our life, He sees His own image reflected in our life. The Bible calls that sanctification. That God is at work in us to make us more and more like Jesus. That's His refining. That's His cleansing. And it won't be completed in this life. But it can make, we can make progress in this life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we die, When we die, we will go through the final and ultimate refining. And we will be made perfect, even as he is perfect. And we will behold him who loved us and and gave himself for us, and we'll be like him forever and ever. That's the hope of the gospel. So follow him. Let him refine. Let him cleanse. He's the fire. He's the silversmith. He's the refiner. His Holy Spirit is the fire that cleanses. His Holy Spirit is the soap that cleanses us. And oh, if we have the cure for death, if we have the escape plan from the wrath of God to come, How could we not tell people? Listen, if you lost 50 pounds in the next month, if you lost 50 pounds, do you think anybody would notice? Do you think anybody would ask? Oh, Holy Spirit, come in, refine us, cleanse us, help Jesus stand out in us so that we would have reason to share the hope that's in us. If you had the cure for death, you'd share it. Our God is a consuming fire. His Son has provided a way of escape from the wrath of God. Embrace Him. Escape the wrath of God and go. Go to share Him with others. Let's pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, help us. Help us to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and so be saved. Help us to flee the wrath to come. Help Holy Spirit. Search every heart now. Draw the, the loss to saving faith in Christ and If you're here this morning and you've never put your trust in Christ, won't you? Won't you admit the bad news of the gospel is true of you? Jesus, I've sinned against you in many ways, and I'm sorry. Won't you believe? Jesus, I believe you died on the cross as my substitute and rose from the dead. Jesus, won't you move in as Savior and Lord? Jesus, help me become the person you made me to be. Jesus, for all of us who are followers of you, I pray that you would be a refining fire in our lives and in our church. I pray that you would cleanse Remove every impurity that keeps us from imaging the glory of Jesus and come in with with your soap by the power of the Holy Spirit. Help us, help us to follow Jesus and to share him with others. We pray in your name.